The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, diligent students, to another edition of the Star Seminar. For those of you who were not enrolled in our fall class, um, I would, do want to stress that uh, there is a prerequisite for this class here in the spring semester, and that is that you have taken uh, the fall class, which is, of course, uh, titled the Cowboys 2022 season. If you did not take it, however, you can fill out a special petition to be a, a participant in this semester's class. It is going to require that you write a 10,000-word essay on what was good and what was bad about the 2022 season. Reading your essays will be... Not only myself, but also my podcast partner, the great Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm doing well, um, except the only thing is I think I might be in the doghouse. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was really weird, too, how this came about, too. I was just sitting, sitting here minding my own business, you know, doing some work at my desk, and my wife was watching a Lifetime movie, um, as she often likes to do. She's a big fan of those, and I don't know what was going on. In the movie, but apparently the guy, these girls were talking about how great this guy was, you know, in the movie. And, and all I heard from her was like, um, I can't even get my husband to put his dishes in the sink. And, you know, I, I heard her, but I didn't acknowledge her. It's like, like, okay, what's going on there? And I just kind of mind my own business. But then she muttered, muttered something and water splashed. Her. And then finally, I'm like, you, you realize in the movie, that guy's going to try to kill her later, right? And nonetheless, we got into a little argument about about me not putting my dishes in the sink. And Rabs, and I got to tell you, she's absolutely right. I don't, but there's a perfectly good reason for it. It's usually when I go to the sink, there's like a bunch of stuff there. She's got coffee cups, a colander, some weird, she's taking apart the Keurig and, and cleaning. I don't know, but it's always filled. So what I do is I just sp- spray some water on top of my plate and I just set it on the counter. Right. So it's soaking, you know, that to me, that's that's a sensible thing. But what happens in the later is she'll wander in there, apparently wanders in the kitchen like a banshee and starts grabbing stuff. And then next thing you know, she's got like lasagna water all over her. And 
And of course, you know, who's going to hear about that. So my wife just absolutely hates it when I soak my dishes, put water on it and set there because she's always just grabbing it and making a big mess. But I don't know. It's a weird thing. I guess it's something that I do that that drives her crazy. But uh, is there anything that you do that, that drives your wife crazy? Well, it's funny because you reached out to me before uh, we started to record and, and told me that you were wanted to talk about this. And so uh, I went to the source. I asked my wife, what is it about about me that oh drives you crazy? No. And she, she thought she thought about it for a second. She said, you leave the kitchen cupboards open. And we've it's something we've been we've been going back and forth about for a while. We actually have these self-closing cupboards now where we are. Um, but there's one that's next to the sink that doesn't that doesn't close. And she says she claims I leave it open all the time. Oh. I dispute this particular interpretation. Interpretation. Uh, I, I, I accuse my wife of, of um, taking a single incident and extrapolating over a long period of time. But I also, uh, you know, will uh, admit that I am guilty as charged. I do do that. I like to leave the cupboards open when I'm putting away all the dishes, and sometimes I, I forget. But um, so be it. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not cheating or, or abusing or, or uh, in any kind of substances. So you know, I mean, I think the a little bit of a dirty dish every now and again, or a um, an open cupboard is probably a small price to pay for having to live with a a man, a man because we of course are all at root Neanderthals. I will say, Rabs, that that was pretty pretty brave of you to actually just go and say, "All right, what do you got?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, we get along great, and uh, there's almost nothing about each each other that bothers the other one much. So it's, a, I mean, there's a you know, she does a couple of things, I do a couple of things. They're really small and inconsequential, and so you know, it's it's not uh, it's not a big deal. Um, but but I tell you what is a big deal, and that is today's show. All right, nice. So we're started. We're starting our new semester. We're starting our off season. Uh, we have a lot of really interesting things to talk about. We're going to start by talking about the offense this week, the defense next week, and then the following week, we want to talk about the Cowboys front office. But before we get into today's today's discussion, I do have a question for you, my good man. Mm-hmm. Since we're going to get uh, get into the offense today, I was wondering, um, in your Cowboys watching time, who are the offensive players who in your mind have been underrated, underappreciated, who deserve a little love, because I think that for me, the Cowboys and particularly Cowboys offensive players tend to be generally overrated or highly rated. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for a Cowboys player to fly under the radar, but I think a couple guys may have. So, uh, you know, we've both been watching for a long time. Who would you say have been guys who have managed to fly under the radar, even though they're Cowboys? Yeah, you know, Rabs, when, so when I got your your question in the email yesterday, I, I'll admit, I actually, I've changed my mind uh, two times since. So I there's there's some, there's, I have a few, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you my one, and then if you don't mention the other guys, uh, then, you know, we'll swing back around. But I actually, I end up landing on Mark Tune. Oh man, that's my guy. Is that's it exactly your guy? Oh pick. my yeah. goodness. Okay, well that's fine. You know what? Well, yeah. I'll, I'll let. I'll, why don't you just kick us off with 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 Tune then, and then uh. No, no. I mean, I, I think Tune is a great pick. Tune is a great pick. Uh, I think that he had. There's another guy that I want to talk about, and I think that Tune and he share something very similar, which is not even that they're that the weakest player on a good line, because I don't think Tune was a weak player. I think he was just like the quietest dude. He was the he was this he was just a, a kind of guy who went about his business, but um, that left side of the Cowboys' offensive line in those years with Tune and Newton, a couple of road graders, and I think if you want anything else, uh, if you want 
you know, a distilled essence of Tune's resume. Look at what he did against Bruce Smith in those two back-to-back Super Bowls where he was matched up against Bruce Smith, the greatest or one of the two great pass rushers of his generation, uh, oftentimes one-on-one and just took him out of the game both times. Yeah. Was really just magnificent, hardworking guy, a no-name guy, drafted as a defensive tackle, oh, yeah. worked his way on worked his way into the offense and um you know, as an offensive player and then was a, you know, a multi-time pro bowler and really unsung unsung guy. Um so yeah, anything you want to add about about Tui? No, I mean you 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 nailed a lot of them and the one thing that's really kind of kind of did it for me with with Tune and you're absolutely right, you know, he started off, you know, asked to help out, you know, defensively, he's playing some on defense and then even within season he's switching over and playing on the other side and uh, it's pretty pretty amazing to, I mean that's just something that you don't see um anymore but I think you know if you look at that great wall of doubt of Dallas and you, know, you think about all the players we all know about Nate Newton and stuff and there's there's a there's a good list of really good players there and uh but you know playing left tackle I mean that's that's the most important spot and when you're when you are protecting Troy Aikman's blind side and uh I mean that's that's huge, and he, you know, like you know, he said he did a couple, kind of couple Pro Bowl seasons. Uh, he was a very quiet guy, and he did not a lot of noise. You know, a lot, of, you don't hear a lot about him, but uh, certainly, um, you know, a great player. And I think, you know, when I when you're looking at being underrated, I, um, you know, I think that that's 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 a guy for sure. But I want to point, I want to go back one to where the guy that I had right before uh, Tune and. It's another guy that's, um, you know what? It's I, I just don't think it's enough love, and and that is actually Tony Hill. And, oh, that's a good one. And the reason it's so with Tony Hill, I mean, obviously everyone makes a big deal of the Cal, of the '88s, and we all know that there's so many greats that have wore '88. You know, I don't need to list them. Um, but Tony Hill, I mean, he was really one of the better overall Cowboy receivers. I mean, he's actually third in receiving uh, yards behind Witten and Michael Irvin. So, um, you know, I think, you know, you look at him, he's people that don't remember Tony Hill. He's a little Alvin Harper-ish in the sense that he's mm-hmm. a big, big playmaker. I mean, besides both of them wearing 80, that's, you know, the easy thing to, but, uh, you know, he big deep threat, you know, but he also did a really good job of, you know, adjusting to the ball. I just think with, what if you if you're trying to imagine what Tony Hill is, think of Alvin Harper, but just think of more of them, just a more sustained Alvin mm-hmm. Harper. Alvin mm-hmm. Harper kind of had a, he was there for a little bit and then it just kind of fizzled. But Tony Hill, you know, he was a good ten year player, um, and I also think that a lot of um, you know he has a couple of Pro Bowls too, and um, but a lot of a lot of a reason why he's underrated to me too is like unlike a lot of the other great Cowboy receivers, they had a great quarterback. To go with him and Tony Hill did at first, but quickly he ended up, you know, playing in the de- the decline of the Landry years, and that's when you know we had the Danny White hooga boom type thing. It was your quarterback mm-hmm. play really suffered there. So so he did a lot of his damage with some suspect quarterback play too. So so Tony Hill was my honorable mention for you know. So what what's your other guy? So I, it's funny that you mentioned uh, him as a receiver who uh, didn't quite get all the all the love he he 
deserved because actually one of the, I have one one sort of honorable mention and then one other sort of runner up. My honorable mention is Patrick Creighton, as I think Patrick mm. Creighton was actually a much better receiver than he got credit for. I do think that that loss to the to the Giants in the uh, you know in the divisional round uh, of the playoffs in 2007 has tainted his legacy uh, in unfortunate ways because uh, you know obviously there were two different times when he flat out dropped one and I think another time he didn't see one. Either of those passes could have could have won the game for the Cowboys. And that's, that's a shame because he, there was a lot of other times he made really, really clutch plays. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy is, is, is the sort of Mark Tuaney of the Romo era. And that's Doug free. I think Doug mm-hmm. free again, as, as the guy who was the kind of quietest dude on, on a, on a line where everybody was, you know, more kind of pedigreed or, or more, you know, just kind of had higher draft status or was a little bit more of a flashy player or whatever. Doug free was, a really, really good player for a long time with the Cowboys. And people used to complain about him all the time in those years from like 2013 to 16. I was like, I don't know what you're complaining about. This guy is, mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's been a deluxe player. He really is. So those, those are, those are my dudes. Um, I, and I think the, the guys you named are, are just fantastic, but listen, let's, let's transition and, um, and begin our discussion of the contemporary Dallas Cowboys as we close the book on 2022 and get ready to open the book on 2023. All right. Well, so what I have in store for you today, Rabs, is I want us to actually do a little home improvement project. So I want you to get on your hard hat and we're going to go through and we're going to play a game called Patch It Up. So how this works is I am going to throw out some projects. Maybe it's the offensive line maybe it's the play calling we'll see you know and i want you to we're going we're to discuss how the cowboys should proceed in repairing these groups and but i also want you before you start to give your answer of, of how to fix it i want you to to give it a severity score and the way we're going to do this is i want you to tell me what you would use to patch it up so i got i got four pieces of equipment for you you can either choose duct tape You can choose a hammer, you can choose power tools, or if it's really bad, you can use a jackhammer. So between those tools, let's kick things off. I want to start, let's just, let's start with the guy everybody loves to talk about, everyone loves to criticize. Let's start at the quarterback position. And before before you start trying to repair this, I just want to throw some things at you, just um, to, to let you know what we're dealing with. Um, we, you know, I know I know how you think, what you think of Dak Prescott, and you know what I think about him. But I wanted to. It's worth noting that you know he, including the playoffs that he played in 14 games this season, he threw an interception. In 11 of those games, that's 79%. He threw multiple interceptions in six of them, that's 43%. And then, but in the three games that he didn't have a pick, the Cowboys won by an average of 24 points. So we know when he's not turning the ball over, they're absolutely just killing it. So anyway, let's kick things off. How are we? How are you going to fix this problem? What are you going to use? Give us your choice of what are you going to use to patch this up? I'm using duct tape. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that we need to use a lot 
to repair Dak Prescott. I think that um, we're going to need to use some power tools in some other areas or some jackhammers maybe in some other areas that I think will help Dak Prescott. I think Dak's game um, will benefit from improvement at a lot of the other places. I, I think that if we're talking about the backup quarterback, then we may have to pull out something a little that, that you have to plug in. But right now, uh, I think I think Dak and his interceptions are a byproduct of the people around him. And I think it's one, it's also, it's by a byproduct of the kind of statistical anomaly and fluctuation of small samples. Like the, the, the reality is 16 games is a very small sample, even with, you know, 60 offensive snaps a game, 30 or 40 pass uh, snaps a game. Those are still from statistical purposes, very, very small samples. And I think that that's what's happening with our, with our dear friend, Dak and I think that it's very likely he'll rebound because that's the way that things average out. You know, historically he's not been an interception prone quarterback. Right. I really do think that that was a, a byproduct of where he was this year. So let's move on and I think we can talk about some of the things that um, will help Dak and um, and sh- and show why we don't need to bring out the heavy tools to to help him. Okay, so let's move on then to the running back position. Um, now, as you know, the running back game, the running game was, was pretty good early on. We saw some explosiveness from Tony Pollard, uh, but then down the stretch, things got pretty bad. And, uh, you know, even, even Pollard was, was having some troubles, but Elliot himself, I mean, in each of the last, uh, however long he's been in the league, he, his, he constantly is declining in his yards per carry. And then down the stretch this season, you're looking at El- an Elliot that was, for the last four games, was averaging two yards per carry over a four-game span. So the Cowboys had some problems running the ball. Um, so now I want my question for you is, what are you using to fix this running game? Well, that's, that's interesting because uh, I'm not sure exactly which tool is best here but i i think i think i think it's time to clean house so if that means if that means a jackhammer maybe we're maybe we're going to just uh, drill the cement floor up and, and put in a new floor because i think that it's unlikely that it's possible that franchising pollard will make sense but it's unlikely that he'll be worth whatever second com- contract he can command on the open market because he is such an explosive player it just doesn't make sense uh, from a kind of economics perspective, to throw that kind of money at that position. I know he's an explosive guy. I, I, I appreciate that. I love him. It's the Cowboys' fault for underutilizing him for much of his career. I do think that he had some durability issues, that, or there were dur- the durability concerns that they had about him that, that sort of helps to explain that. But also there wasn't just an over-reliance on Zeke because they were paying him a big contract and they had to justify that. It's time to get rid of Zeke. It's time to, to shift the way they think about the running back position. Uh, if you think about the assets they've spent on running back, a first rounder for uh, Felix Jones. Before that, they had Julius Jones. They've sp- spent a pretty high second rounder on him. They spent um, a third rounder on DeMarco Murray. I think what they really need to do is start thinking about how can we get more guys like Marion Barber, fourth round guys who can be very successful in the league. How can we throw a a third day pick at someone to get a running back who we know can, can do perfectly well, has a, has a, has a pro skill set. I don't think the running back matters. I think, the scheme and the offensive line matter. And yeah, yeah, there's some running backs who are going to get more yards than, than you've blocked. But the reality is those guys are rare and the majority of the yards they get are the yards that are blocked anyway. And so I think that, um, 
I mean, maybe, maybe we're duct taping it if we're just saying we're going to get rid of people. But I think that if, if we're talking about changing the running back room, let's bring out a jackhammer. Let's get rid of everybody and start from scratch. Yeah, we can give, we can give Malik Davis and get, give him a chance to compete for the second uh, second running back position. But they're going to need to get a free agent running back, and they're going to need to spend a draft pick. I just don't want them to, to spend anything before a third rounder. Yeah, I, I, I'm i torn on this, too. I, I mean, I, I think I've, I'm a little bit in the sense of, like, how I – how I miss um, read the whole Elliot thing and how I fell into that trap and, and it's, it's hurt the Cowboys now and now to where it's like, I, you know, you don't want to go down that road again. But at the same time, you just look at what, what Pollard brings. It seems, it seems like it would just be like some gross negligence to, to just let loose one of your few, you know, explosive players that you do have on offense. And so I'm really torn on the subject, but I want to just quickly ask you, do, are we are we done with Zeke? Do you think the Cowboys just got to say? I know they're talking about maybe renegotiate, you know, just cutting his salary a little bit. But do you think we just? Could, do you think we should just be done with Zeke? I think so. I I I, th- I think it's also easy for us to say that because we are not in the locker room. I think the place, and this, we've talked about this before. I think the one thing that fans and other casuals, and we are casuals because we don't know what happens in the locker room day to day. The one thing that uh, that us casual, even invested casuals as we are, um, that we don't understand or appreciate is what players bring from Monday to Saturday, right? Whether they're in there in the weight room getting guys fired up, whether they're uh, you know making guys practice harder. I mean, all practicing really hard and showing by example. And I think there's a lot of those things that Zeke brings that. that where he's a beloved member of the team. I think he brings a toughness to a team that's not particularly tough. And um, and I think those things are valuable, but they've got to find ways beyond him because he's become a liability. I mean, I, it's, you know, he, he, he had a couple big runs earlier in the year um, that were really, that were really great. But boy, every, I mean, every year, as you just said, when you asked the question, every year he gets more worn down. He's, he's less, even less effective at the beginning of the year. And I think this year he averaged something like 2.4, 2.5 yards per carry over the last like six weeks or something. It's just, it's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. And especially, and we'll get, we're going to get to this, especially if you're struggling to pass block, you've got to have a running game. And, 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 and if you can't, if you can't block consistently, then the way you have a running game is by scaring them because you got guys who can who can create explosives, which brings us back to the, the, the Tony Pollard conundrum, right? Which is that if you can't block for people, you've got to have it running back who every once in a while will pop one. Uh, but I, I think that they've got to try to go about it a different way because that's not that's not a, a way you can um, you make a living in the NFL. Okay, so you got duct tape for the quarterback, you got jackhammer for the running back position group. So what? Let's see what you have to tell me about the wide receiver spot. And as you know, you know the Cowboys had a lot of, a lot of change at wide receiver. You know, with Amari's gone, and uh, the big question was, can CD handle the number one role? Which I think that's been answered. He looked fantastic. Uh, the 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 crazier thing was what happened after that, and um, there were a lot of possibilities. But nothing really panned out for the Cowboys. Of course, you know, Michael Gallup, you know, he was coming off his knee injury and, you know, he just never looked like himself. Uh, But none of the other options, too, just uh, really were doing it. I think there was a lot of hope that somebody there, James Washington or or the rookie Tolbert, would come along and do something. Simi Fihoko was looking like he was good in camp. And then then Dennis Houston, too, also. uh, You know, there was so much buzz about him, you know. 
but uh, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing. I mean, outside than the surprise play of Noah Brown, which comes with its own limitations, the Cowboys just didn't have very much to offer. Of course, you know, they added T.Y. Hilton late. So my question for you is, how are you fixing this? Well, if we had to use a jackhammer for the running back room, I don't think that I don't think we have to be quite so severe with the wide receiver room. But that's only because they already have a number one receiver in place, right? So that so that uh, unlike the situation going into 2018, for example, when they got rid of Des but didn't have a number one receiver, um, it's not as dire. I mean, that was really bad. So the good thing is they have a guy who's probably going to be a, a sort of you know top of the league guy for the next few years that they can build around. But they've got to get another one, and so. Um, Obviously, we're, we're talking about the offense right now. The, key, the, the, the real big piece of news that's come out, of course, is that Kellen Moore is no longer going to be the offensive coordinator. And um, it looks like Mike McCarthy is going to call plays and the Cowboys are going to um, sort of edge toward, if not go wholesale into a system that's a little bit more like his system in Green Bay. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people have been pointing out, and I think this is, this is absolutely right on and it's important to think about, is that uh, you know his teams in Green Bay had a succession of receivers that they drafted. They tended to always draft him in the second round, but there was like Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings and Randall Cobb. And then of course, Devonte Adams. And they just kept, they just kept every other year or so they'd get one and they just put him in the pipeline. So they always had like when they were humming, Rogers always had three quality receivers. So th this, this means that if the, if the Cowboys are going to be able to run that offense with any amount of um, success, then they're going to have to get two more receivers who are that level, that level of quality. So my patch up tool here is uh, we're going to use power tools for this one. All right. And because I think we can build around, uh, I think we can build around CD lamb, but there is some work to do. They have to get as many new receivers as they do new running backs. I think they're going to need to get two of each. And that, if that that includes, you know, a, a resuscitated Michael Gallup, then so be it. But I think they've got to they've got to kind of plan as if that's not going to happen. Uh, either way, they're going to need at least one more one more um, really strong, a complementary, like number two a t number one possibility type of type of guy. Uh, I think to add to that room. And here's the other thing I think they need to add. In Michael Irvin, in in T.O., in Des Bryant, they had a succession of guys who were alphas, who were dogs, who uh, willed teams to win, who 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 willed themselves to be dominant physically. C.D. Lamb is a deluxe receiver. That's not his game. They need a guy who can do that, who who will break a tackle, who will intimidate a running back, who will dish it, dish out a hit to a safety that's bigger than a hit the safety can dish out to him, who wins through physicality, intimidation, um, et cetera. And they haven't had that guy, and I think that that hurts. And, I, and frankly, I think that's one of the main reasons they got rid of Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper was soft. And uh, he's a big guy. He's a, he could be a physical guy. He didn't choose to be a physical guy. Uh, and so I think that, they, that, 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 that guy opposite C.D. Lamb, needs to have some of that even if he's 510 i don't care if he's 510 and 205 if he hits like a truck and breaks tackles that's what they need this team didn't have anybody who broke tackles last year they got no yards after catch right yes yeah and they they, they were if not at the bottom of the league they were near the bottom of the league in breaking tackles so they went down on contact mm -hmm. and um boy that makes it tough for everybody else involved it makes it really hard on your quarterback
really the only thing I want to ask you about this this project that we're you know trying to fix is is how how we're going to go about it. I mean, is this something that you know? Are you, are you going to Home Depot? Are you what? What are you going to do? Are, are you looking at free agency, or are you going to to roll the dice again and think that you can you know take a chance on a on a draft pick? Because we did you know we had a third rounder last year that we just you know couldn't get on the field. So that seems like a risky endeavor. So the Cowboys need to step it up and maybe spend some money in, in free agency. They're gonna they're gonna have to because I think you you can't just listen historically wide receivers come into their own in in the third year of their pro career there's just too many things you have to learn the 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 pro game and the offensive schemes are too complicated for most guys who in college are winning because they're physically dominant not because they're precise route runners not because they can read the coverage on the fly or anything like that right and so Look at C.D. Lamb. It was year three this last year where he really came into his own. He had lots of flashes before. Des Bryant, same thing. Beautiful, beautiful plays in the years one and two. So he ascended to that where he really understood the, the offensive was, was a dominant player in year three. It happened, and Michael Irvin, same thing, but, you know, injuries injuries obviously played a, a pretty big role in, in delaying his arrival. It's just, uh, again and again in history, we see guys really blow up and emerge in their third year. Um, and so it's foolhardy to think that you're going to be the exception to a, to a pretty established rule like that, even even if that's happening more often now because guys are being prepared for the pro game where the pro game is more like the college game. I think there's still so much to learn. And, and so you're going to have to get a guy like Odell Beckham or somebody like that. You're going to have to get that kind of guy. Oh, man, I'm not saying no. it has to be Odell Beckham. <laughs> I'm not saying it has to be him. I'm just saying I think I think he's a guy you have to have on the list, but you need to get that kind of talent whether he still has that talent or not is, is something we can discuss over the long off season, my friend, but you have to get somebody like that opposite, opposite CD lamb. And they're And, and I think you also, you also have to invest in a draft pick on a, a guy who's got, you know, upward, uh, you know, who's got some athletic ability and some upside because you, if you're going to run McCarthy's offense successfully, you've got to have a guy in the pipeline all the time. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I, you know, I really don't know. I, I think the Cowboys, they do a really good job of finding some good role-playing, low-cost players. I do think that they might need to maybe spend a little bit more receiver just to kind of give themselves. Because there's some really quality, reliable guys that you could add to this offense that wouldn't break the bank by any means. But, um, yeah, I'd be kind of curious to see what happens. But I want to move on to a project that, in my opinion, I don't know if it needs fixing or not, but... Based on how the offseason could play out, there could we could find ourselves with a big old hole in it. So I want to move into the tight end spot, um, and I think most of us would agree that the Cowboys got you know a surprisingly great contribution from the tight end position. Uh, you know Blake Jarwin wasn't around, but it didn't matter because these rookies came along, um, Jake Ferguson and uh, and Peyton Hendershot, and they played outstanding. The, they were a dynamic part of the offense, very, very involved in the blocking. And Schultz was allowed to be Schultz. He just did very Schultz-like things. Very reliable pass catcher. Uh, good inline blocking too. I mean, the Cowboys. I, I just he, the Cowboys tight end group was surprisingly good, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But that was last year, and with you know, with the uncertainty of Dalton Schultz, um, I to me, I kind of feel like maybe the the the, the youngsters might have kind of you know played him out of Dallas. To where now the Cowboys might be without him. So, 
my question for you is you're gonna have to do a little kind of um, predicting here to, to even to assess what kind of problem you really have, but how are you fixing the tight ends? Uh, I, I think I'm using duct tape, my friend. All right. And yeah, so here's what I'm doing. I'm letting Schultz walk and, I, and I'm letting him walk because I think that we value Schultz because he's outplayed his draft position. He's outplayed his athletic profile. So we like him, right? He's he, the surprises from Schultz over the course of his career. Ever since Blake Jarden first went down and we were like, and we all said, Oh no, there's nobody on the roster who can play tight end. It turns out that Schultz has ended up with a much better career than Jarwin. He's a much better all around player. That said, he's very athletically limited. He doesn't threaten defenses. He doesn't threaten teams with athletic rangy secondaries. He, uh, he tends to do well in the games that the Cowboys do well against lesser offenses, excuse me, lesser defenses. Um, I think they need a weapon. And I think, frankly, both Ferguson and Hendershot seem more like weapons. They seem more like guys who can threaten down the scene. They seem more like guys who, um, you know, the, 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 the good offenses, what they want you to do is they want to make um, big guys cover and they want to make small guys tackle. And, and one of the ways you do that is by getting them matched up with your tight ends. And I think that those guys threaten to provide mismatches that, that Schultz can't because of his athletic limitations. And so you, you Schultz is, is, is one of those guys, he's a yeoman warrior who does not, uh, does not merit a, another contract on this team. Some team that has a lot of cap space and needs to build and needs to build culture. Fine. Let's bring Schultz in. He can, he, he can, he can help that team. That's not this team. And this team has too many weapons behind him. I think if they had any idea that Hendershot and, um, and Ferguson were going to be as good in their rookie years as they, as they were, they might not have, they might not have franchised Schultz anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Oh, Rabs, it's, I think I'm, I'm a big Schultz fan and I actually wanted the Cowboys to retain him. Of course, that's because I did not, we did not have Ferguson and Hendershot. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. but I, I think what you, you said, some really important things there and to, as far as the type of player he is, which means to me, I, I really think that we could find some repeatability in, in, in a player like Jake Henderson, um, Ferguson, because I think that I saw a lot of stuff that he could do, you know, with the right coaching, he could be that type of role playing. And if you are going to spend money, you're absolutely right. You want someone who offers some type of mismatch and has those athletic traits that can be a real difference maker. So I guess what I'm saying is you could probably find, um, find his supplement what you got from him at a at a lower cost which is that and that's where you would just not spend the money on on a tight end so no i, I agree with you i i think you're here you're good at choosing some good tools but i'll tell you what this one's not going to be so easy because i don't know what to think about here and I'm, i want to move along to i know uh, an area that you have you know a lot of opinions about but i want to talk about the cowboys offensive line and i'll tell you you know every year I, I have my own concerns and then every year they end up, I, I see some pleasant surprises, but then at the same time, it's just still not where it needs to be. So, um, you know, the Cowboys, a lot of stuff happened. You know, we, of course we got, uh, you know, a great draft pick with Ty, you know, Tyler Smith, fantastic mm-hmm. pick. And, you know, we, we, we all knew that, right? Uh, well, at least, you know, uh, all, uh, no, nobody was a bigger champion than you, my friend. Yeah. yeah we all, you know, whatever we can, uh, we can, but we can all agree mm-hmm. now that he's a very, he's a good player, and and we're excited about having him in the future. Um, also, too, you know, you know, we're it's it sounds like we're getting Tyron back. I mean, so we could have uh, Terrence still back if you know he, 
he uh, comes back from his injury. You got another year. Zach Martin's always fantastic. And hey, guess what? You know, Tyler Bionish is a pro bowler and he's got one more year on his deal. So overall, we're going to return a group that's pretty good, pretty good. And, and it could end up being the Cowboys get what they wanted to do this year, next year by, you know, inserting uh, Tyler into left guard next to Tyron. You know, and then have, have everybody else you know, play in their normal spots. But anyway, um, so I want you to tell me what you know, what you're thinking here on the offensive line. How are you fixing? How are you improving the Cowboys' offensive line? Oh boy, this is a tough one. I, I, I'm going to divide this into two. I'm going to say, I'm going to put duct tape on the offensive line on the personnel, but I think they need to jackhammer the coaching and scheme because I think there's something that's not working there. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what Mike Solari can do. You know, uh, I think the, the Cowboys, if you think about a lot of the players like, like Tyron Smith and, and Zach Martin, uh, they had the really, really important moment early in their career where they had a chance to work with Bill Callahan. And um, actually, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Zach Martin ever did. Maybe one year he did uh, in 2014. But I, you know, th there's I think there's so much of the teachings from the Bill Callahan era uh, carried that offensive line through its strongest period. Uh, you know, from 2013 to 17, for for example. Um, and they just haven't had the same coaching since. And so, you know, one of the things you you mentioned was there have been these moments of surprise on the offensive line, and then there's been it, it, disappointment. And the thing I think that's most frustrating is that the surprise and disappointment have essentially happened the same time during the, during each season for the last two or three years, where we're suddenly we're like, oh wow, this this offensive line's a lot better than we thought. You know, we're saying that around around like from game six to ten, and then we're like, oh, eh, and then maybe a guy gets injured or they fall off or something happens. And both years, the last couple of years, the offensive line has ended the season where they just haven't been able to block people and the offense is the offense as a as a unit has really stagnated so i mean i think when we think about offensive line in general i want to take a jackhammer to it at the same time i look at the personnel and i think there's a lot here i'm not sure what i would do and i don't think the cowboys can afford to invest a premium pick on another offensive lineman listen if there's a great offensive tackle prospect who falls to their pick i think they had they have to consider it strongly because they're going to need to replace tyron smith right. and and maybe 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 uh, uh maybe uh you know tulsa smith our friend is is the guy who's going to replace him eventually in which case they don't need to do that i mean i think they're going to need to draft a guy somewhere to replace mcgovern you know who can be a, a kind of depth piece mm -hmm. or, or or you know find a find a, a mid to low price free agent who can offer that some flexibility in, as the interior swing but this feels like an offensive line where there's a lot of talent but they don't seem to be anything greater than the sum of their parts and maybe even have trouble ex being the sum of their parts and so for me for this next year my solution is duct tape the personnel and jackhammer the the, the coaching and the scheme and so hopefully Solari can can uh, can offer us that. Yeah, no, those are good answers. I think, I mean, it's hard not to be excited about the talent that the Cowboys have, certainly in the trenches. And, and uh, as long as you, you know, if you could count on, you know, Tyron being healthy, and that's the only thing is suddenly if you can't, then you got a, you got a, a problem. I mean, sure, you can move Tyler um, out, but then now you've got a weakness at left guard. And so, um, but definitely, you know, the Cowboys can, 
they can find something draft that won't don't have to happen on the first couple days even and certainly not with the first couple rounds and they can find you know maybe a future that it could come in if they if they found a good guard then maybe he could be the your guard piece when tyrant leaves and then tyler pops out and then the eventual piece that replaces zach martin i mean i don't know so you, you mm -hmm. never know mm -hmm. uh, but so anyway i want to move to our final um improvement project which we have to throw this one in there especially with like the news you mentioned of, the Cowboys are have moved on from Kellen Moore. So now the Cowboys are going to have a new play caller, you know, and it sounds like it's going to be their head coach. So, I mean, we have our own different opinions about what we thought about this offense. Many of us, you know, saw a lot of good things in Kellen. You know, there's certainly, um, you know, one of the things I love too is I just, I felt like, you know, he was able to do a lot of things from the same looks and he really had defenses on their heels at times. And to me, I just really came down to how, how well the team was executing, in particular, how well their quarterback was executing. That, that to me, is what moved the needle the most. I thought that the play call on himself was fantastic. So, um, but I'm asking you, you know, often we got our play calling situation. How are the Cowboys going to fix it? And what a severity score would you give this? Well, what do you think using to fix it? That's a really hard one because if Kellen was still here, I'd probably say duct tape. I would, I would say, I mean, we're going to get into this more in a couple of weeks when we when we have a chance to talk about the front office and the relationship, I think, between the front office and the coaches. But it does feel like a lot of what's happening this offseason, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it does feel like a lot of what's happening this offseason is the is the front office saying, hey, it's, the, it's not about personnel. It's about coaching. And I'm not sure I agree. I, I know I know I said with the offensive line want to duct tape that line, but I think that I think that certainly with with some of the other positions, the running back the room, the wide receiver room, um, I mean, they do need, they do need to, the offensive line has to be better. And I think that Kellen was, uh, was limited by, by the, the limitations of, uh, the team. I, I think that we've talked about many times, Kellen's offense is a collection of plays and then there's advantages and disadvantages. So that the advantages are that you can pull out certain plays that work well against a certain scheme or against a certain personnel group uh, on, on the, you know, the opposing defense. Uh, but the, the problem then is that you don't have as high uh, a capacity for deception and things like that that can really, that can really um, you know, make it easier, particularly for your receivers to find holes in underneath zones, for um, for linebackers to overrun, you know, counterplays, things like that. And I think that the, the the defenses that in this today's NFL that are most effective, the Shanahan uh, the offenses, rather the Shanahan offenses, the McVay offenses, they tend to have personnel groupings and and uh, plays that look the same whether they're a run or a pass. And so, as a defender, you don't know. And so, there's always that moment of of hesitation. And that moment of hesitation is all you need in today's NFL. And I'm not sure that Kellen and his scheme bought that for his offensive players. I think I think that there were a lot of things that saddled him and saddled his quarterback. And I actually I I believe that we will in a year's time look at this and go, wow, those guys did a really great job given the limitations they had. Um, and so I think we're going to miss a lot about Kellen Moore. At the same time, I think that if the Cowboys offense and it's not about the fact that he's not a good play caller for me, I think he's a fine play caller. I think he's a really good offensive mind. If the Cowboys are going to to move forward, I think they need something where the scheme is going to help the players more, because I think that ultimately the, the limitations of the players 
um, put a cap on the scheme. And that's, and that is why my friend, that is why they did really well against poor defenses and struggled against good defenses because I think that the good defenses were able to shut down their, their players because the players had deficiencies and the scheme was not built in a way where it could help players with deficiencies overcome them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm obviously we're, we're hoping that the McCarthy influence is going to be, you know, what the Cowboys needed all along. You know, we, we, you know, it's weird. We, we want Kellen to, to have some problems to where maybe there was some limitations on his ability and then they, and you know, maybe he's still growing. We we hope that's the case. You know, we hope Mark McCarthy comes in and um, and does a good job with them. I mean, of course, you know he's he has had a lot of success in his early years in Green Bay. There's no doubt about that as a you know as a play caller. Uh, but you know his most recent time is has not been so favorable. And but you know what? You don't know. It's it's a different situation. You know he's going to have different a different team, a different you know locker room, and just you know. A bunch of different things. So, I mean, honestly, this is just one of those things that's going to be an, an unknown. But unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, it's. I think it's going to be one of those things that's It's really huge as far as the direction of where this team goes. I think you're either going to see... I don't see you're going to... We're going to I don't think we're going to have another 12 and 5 year. I think it's going to go this way. Or it's going to go up, you know, and then, or, or we're just going to slowly sink. And, there was, and then we're going to be looking for... A new play caller again, you know, in the following season. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's going to be interesting. So I feel like whatever we use, we're just kind of be holding it up temporarily, just to kind of see it. Maybe it, maybe that's all it needed. But then again, you know, maybe we'll see it come crashing down, and then we got a much well, bigger project, you know, next the following. I'll year. tell you this. I'll tell you this. You know, it's very clear now that they since they've cleaned house of the offensive staff, somebody was not happy with the offensive staff. I mean, it's very clear that. Now it's coming out that Kellen wanted to leave. It's not that he got fired. He actually wanted to leave, and they were like, "Okay, we're not going to stop you." You know, we could we could say no because you're still you know under contract as a lateral move, but they weren't happy with him. You know, Stephen Jones was open with with reporters that there was some you know philosophical differences between the guys, and it seems like what we're starting to hear is that 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 became a wedge that uh, between them increasingly over the course of the time they were working together, the three years that they were both here. So McCarthy's on his own now, dude. His his offensive staff is gone. It's it's all on him. What I hope this will result in is him being a strong advocate for a significant infusion of talent. Because the reality is, this offense is slow. They have receivers that can't get open. They have a they have a, a an offensive line that, for the most part, cannot pass block, and toward the end of the season, couldn't run block. And it, we'll talk about this more again in a couple of weeks. But let me just. Let's just close this out. Let me ask you a question. If you're an offensive coordinator and your offensive line can't pass block, is like bottom of the barrel pass blocking, what do you do? I mean, like, what are you supposed to do scheme-wise? What's, what's your solution? Yeah, well, you have, better have a lot of plays where you're getting the, the ball out of your hands quickly. And, you know, you're going to definitely have to, you know, you have to, you're have to get the running game to work for sure. So it definitely limits in really what you can do. Um so, so let me let me follow up then. So let's say you have receivers who can't separate quickly off the top at, at, at the top of the route, or I mean, you know, the beginning of the route. Then what do you do? Well, then it becomes even a bigger problem. Um, uh, yeah, and 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 then so let, let's let's say another thing. You, your quarterback's one of the top, let's say, seven or eight in the league, and your and your uh, your backup is extremely athletically limited, although he's a bright guy. So what you you realize that your chances of winning with with your starting quarterback are significantly higher. So you have to protect him for the whole year. 
then what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I just don't know if I, if I have the same set of ground rules that you're throwing out there because I feel like there were times where the 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 offensive line was fine within pass protection. I mean, wasn't wasn't great, no, but there was it was fine, and and there was there was plays that you know to be made, and there were plays that were made, and the Cowboys at times were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we saw it. So, um, I to me that's why I feel like maybe parts of them were were adequate enough and then you know the part that you're depending on the most maybe just wasn't and to me that's that's what it's going to come down to i think that the cowboys i don't i don't see a huge shakeup i don't as far as the talent i don't think they're going to be going and, and making a bunch of big big decisions i really think you know the the fact that prescott's going to play better is going to be the biggest thing that's going to make this offense better because Dak, we know Dak's a good quarterback, and we've, you know, even parts of last season, he was just phenomenal. So I think we're going to see uh, an improved Prescott, and I think that is, and I do think they're going to fix some. I mean, I think the receiver group's going to be stronger, and I think there are a lot of, a lot of aspects on this offense that are going to be improved, even if it's just slightly. So really, as long as McCarthy's drawn up the right place, then I, I feel like the Cowboys are be in good shape. So, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, we'll have to see what the Cowboys do this off season and, uh, you know, to fix this offense and, um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, next week we're going to be you now turning this around and we're going to try to troubleshoot the defense and try to figure out what the Cowboys need to do, you know, to improve on defense. Maybe it's not as involved as what they need to do on the offensive side, but, that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any um, off-season moves that you want to see happen, or you know, you know, what do you do that drives your significant other crazy? Yep, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24 and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Last dismissed.